On 96.7 on your FM dial, you're listening to QOL, and this is Hugh Cruzel. You know that we uh, we broadcast weekly uh, stories about quality of life. And uh, most recently, I've been introduced to a, a product uh, and a story about something that's come from... I. You know that I love to do geographical-based stories. And, and this one, believe it or not, is, is from the Caribbean, deep within the Caribbean. In fact, so close to Venezuela that you would think it was South America, actually. Uh, you know, many of us do not know the geography of the Caribbean, but I think we're going to learn a little bit of, about it from Lars Sunderstrom. And Lars, you are the CEO of a company called... Tobago Gold. And Lars, how how on earth did you, you, it sounds like you're Swedish. I mean, your name is Lars Sunderstrom. How on earth do you get involved with Trinidad and Tobago? Through a beautiful woman, my wife, who is from Trinidad. So you made your first trip there when? Well, we, we met, uh, actually, I was on a business trip to Israel. I lived in London. And, that, and she was an airline hostess on British Airways. And that was the beginning of that. And what what year was that? This was about in 1999. 1999. And yeah. you then went to Tobago and saw opportunities? Uh, well, uh, uh, we actually moved from England. We both lived in England and we moved to, uh, to Trinidad and Tobago and uh, started working there. And uh, uh, I love nature. As I know a lot of people in Canada do, yeah, being Scandinavian, we love outdoors and hiking and that type of thing. And uh, I was hiking around and showed my appreciation for nature and ran on to an opportunity to acquire a cocoa estate. Hang on, cocoa? We don't think about cocoa as being a Caribbean product. We know about it from Nicaragua, Costa Rica, but mostly we know about it from uh, Central Africa. Well, yes, actually, the history of cocoa goes back to the Inca and, and, Maya? Indians mm-hmm. and Amazonian Indians. There are different theories where it originated, but uh, what you represented is the normal theory. Some people say it came from the from the Venezuela as well. So that, the whole Caribbean basin, if we call it that, this is where cocoa came from, and then from there it spread around the world. So today the biggest producers are in Africa. The first that we heard of cocoa was from the Inca and the Maya Indians. And cocoa was so valuable that it was used as coins. Uh, and the cocoa means... Money grows on trees. It grows on te- trees, and it's a pod, and if you open the pod, you get beans, and those beans were used as currency. So valuable. I know that there's also quite a bit of difference, um, variation between various uh, the, the various locations across the world. I know that some of the, the chocolate, they call it chocolate of origin, is yours different from, say, uh, let's pick a, a country, uh, you know, I, I tasted chocolate from all kinds of places. Is yours unique? Well, in the sense, uh, it's like wine. You have different Terroir. Types. Yeah, you have different types of genes. Uh, in our case, uh, uh, we have something called Trinitario gene, and that particular cocoa is a very high quality it is very strong, bitter taste, uh, which gives a very strong cocoa taste and is used uh, for many reasons in chocolate making. It's not as bland, has a very strong profile. It was originally created in, uh, as a merger of two different types of genes, supposedly from a hurricane that hit 
So the Trinitario gene is world famous and has spread from Trinidad around the world. So it also grows in some of, in Africa and Asia and so forth. Today. So how many trees and how many acres, if we use acres, you probably use hectares. How many hectares and trees do we actually have in your property? Uh, well, in my property, we have about 50 hectares or 100 acres, uh, roughly. On it's, uh, it's a very it's it's a cocoa state that goes back to the Spanish settlers. In the case of Trinidad and Tobago, the twin island nation, uh, originally, of course, uh, being a Viking, I would say the Vikings were there first, but then Columbus <laughs> came and uh, <laughs> he saw three mountains. Uh, he landed on the southern end of Trinidad and he saw three mountain peaks and he called the island Trinidad, the Holy Trinity. And, and uh, then they started farming and having farming cocoa and sugar and all kinds of things. But so my cocoa state is actually on one of those three peaks, and it goes back something like 400 years. And even before that, uh, the Amerindians lived there. So there are Amerindian uh, stone carvings and things on right. the land. Yes, you had Karawaks and Carib Indians, mm -hmm. two, two tribes. So some of them were more fearful than the others. But Definitely. They, uh, so on the land, actually, I have the biggest... Uh, uh, stone carving from the Amerindians. So the saying is, is it was holy land to the Amerindians and they lived there, they could hunt there, they could farm there and so forth. It's very beautiful land and that's why I bought it. And as a hobby, I refurbished uh, then this old cocoa estate. It's a part of a about 200 uh, hectare estate. So it has forestry, cocoa and other things. And so, uh, since you mentioned about worship, uh, isn't chocolate theobrom uh, has theobro food of the gods is the proper term, right? Right, correct. That's what it means. So it was very valuable to the to the Amerindians, if we include Incas, Am uh, Maya Indians, and so forth. Uh, they also, I don't know how they can make this claim, but they are claiming that uh, they didn't have cardiovascular disease. Now we know that. Uh, Cocoa is the most antioxidant food of all foods, actually. It has about 200,000 antioxidant units in it, uh, which is, if you compare that to wine, it's about three to 4,000, or fruits, three to 5,000. So it's like a, a nuclear antioxidant bomb to your system, which reduces the inflammation. And, and uh, the, the, a lot of the recent medical findings is that we know that cholesterol can be an issue in clogging your system, but yes. it's like a Teflon uh, frying pan. If you have Teflon, it doesn't stick. So, an, an inflammation causes uh, cholesterol to stick to your arteries. So, if you reduce inflammation, supposedly it helps you in keeping your cardiovascular health. And cocoa, therefore, is very good for that purpose to keep your arteries and capillary is clean. So when you say cocoa, you're not necessarily meaning chocolate, as we think of chocolate today. That's usually a blend of milk and sugars and, and vanillin, and, and you're talking cocoa. Well, yeah, chocolate is a mixture, like you said, of cocoa, beans, uh, milk and chocolate. Now, there is dark chocolate and milk chocolate. Mm -hmm. So the history, if we go back to the Mayans, they used cocoa beans. They didn't have chocolate, they had cocoa that they were using. Now, uh, then uh, the European settlers, going back to the 16th, 17th century, started importing dark chocolate to Europe. And it was very popular. 
some of the, like Madame Pompadour and other famous historical figures like that were associated with importing cocoa to the royal families in Europe. And, and it became a trend, so they have cocoa uh, hot chocolate stores, basically, mm -hmm. in England and in France and so forth. Well, you've, um, made, you've made that transition now, Lars. You've gone from what we think about chocolate yes. bars to a drink and yours, you're not making chocolate bars, right? You're doing something completely different. Yeah, so my history is I bought the Cocoa Estate, refurbished it, figured out this is not sustainable from the business point of view. You cannot make any money on it. So in order to make to make a sustainable business, you have to develop the, you know, the product. And often people think in terms of making chocolate. So I was actually planning to have a chocolate chocolate factory established and had a joint venture going but uh, unfortunately the CEO of the company had an accident and died so oh. I was looking at chocolate making and then uh, that didn't happen and then I came up with the idea of making it to basically what inspired me was two things uh, one is the trend of rum becoming more and more popular in yes. the world yes and then often people they, they sip the rum and they enjoy the rum and then they have a bit of a hot chocolate, it's not hot chocolate, a dark chocolate on the side. It's yes. a nice combination. So I said, hey, why not put it in, in one drink? The other inspiration was about a 500-year-old recipe tradition in the Caribbean. We call it cocoa tea. So basically, they took the cocoa, added some sugar and spice to it, sometimes rum. The father would have the rum in the evening, I guess, and in the morning they had his hot chocolate. And that cocoa tea is really what inspired me. So it's the cocoa a little bit of sugar, a little bit of milk, and a lot of spice. And, of course, the rum. Okay, we've got now 10 minutes into this interview, and we have not mentioned the product yet. Because, I mean, this is not a product placement um, uh, program, but I'm intrigued by what you're doing, both as an entrepreneur, as... So, let's do it. Tell us the name of the product. Yes, the name of the product is Tobago Gold. Why Tobago Gold? But that actually wasn't my idea. That was came from a, a very creative lady in Holland, marketing lady. She said, why don't you just call it Tobago Gold? Well, why didn't I call it Trinidad Gold? Well, Tobago has is a green, beautiful island with a very nice reputation, and it's not so often talked about. So it's a bit exotic. So Tobago is an exotic, positive name. And gold, well, it's alluding to the pirates. And, and rum. And rum, yeah. Gold color, yes. chocolate close to that. So well, what color, what color would you describe it as? Would Let's go there. I mean, I've heard people, I've seen comments. You know, if you buy Bailey's, if you buy some of these other cream products, you are, you should try this because this is an elevated experience. But if you know about Bailey's, then this is your next step. What I did was reduce the sugar and cream content and maximize the goodness, the cocoa and spices. So therefore, the product itself is dark brown. And can people use it with coffee, in coffee? I know that quite often on airplanes, and because so many of the service people, the flight directors, the, the pursers are younger, I'll say, can I have a, a three-quarter cup of hot black coffee and um, some Grand Marnier and uh, some Baileys? And they'll say, that's unusual. What's that? And I'll say, it's a B-52. It's a plane. B-52 is a plane. And we're on a plane. And they would be like, really? Does it taste good? So does it taste good? I would say excellent. Now, what has surprised me is that we get something like 98% like. Because I think also we have a lower sugar content. So we try to be more modern and healthy. 
uh, it appeals to men. Baileys is appreciated very much by m people who like sweeter things. I mean, men like sweeter things, but in this in case of, of the drink, it's mainly female consumers. Now, uh, what has surprised us as a small team is that uh, it's being appreciated by b both men and women and younger audience and, and also internationally. I, I, well, you're going to you're going to go there. I know it, so I'm going to prompt you. Uh, is it uh, does the Caribbean population that say the expats in Canada are they your biggest market, or are we talking and in other countries? Or are we talking truly a, a, a real uptick in say since you mentioned Holland and Sweden and Germany? Are they purchasing Tobago Gold? Yes, they they are. And now with my background being. Uh, Viking immigrant to the Caribbean. Uh, I, I think about those bigger markets, and not only the, the Car smaller Caribbean islands. So we do both. We we very early on focused on the biggest buyer, and as you know, probably the biggest buyer in the world is very near you. Yeah, LCBO. That's yeah, the L biggest buyer in the world. Yes. And the biggest buyer in Europe happens to be my country, and, and they're trying to copy LCBO. That's the Swedish monopoly. Yes. So very very early on. Three weeks after I started in my kitchen experimenting, I took it to the Swedish monopoly for you know a view of what do you think? And surprise, surprise! They came back. The buyer said, "Oh wow, this is a really good prototype. Much better than we expected. Nice balance between rum and cocoa with personality. Personality, and that's a very good description." But he said it in Swedish, so you have to say it in Swedish for us. Ja, det här var en bra balans mellan eh, kaka och, och eh, rom med personlighet. And he said, and then you gave it to us in English, and I was going to go, no, that's not what he said, but that's what he meant, right? Yeah, that's the translation, simultaneous translation. So, so but that, that was quite a, a good little description, because we are very different from the others. You mentioned Bailey's, that's the world leader in creams. Yes. Uh, it's very enjoyable, sweet, creamy, with some alcohol. Now... You don't have the third dimension. The third dimension is the spices. That's the Caribbean tradition that goes back, you know, hundreds of years, and that has hit home. So we have a very big presence in your mouth, and when you try it, all kinds of things are happening. The three dimensions are happening, and that I think is the key to success. Oh, and are these spices uh, the blend proprietary? You 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 are not going to share it with us. It's a secret. Um, you know, basically uh, Colonel Sanders Kentucky Fried Chicken. Fifteen ingredients we don't know about. Are they all sourced from the Caribbean? Yes, those are the traditional Caribbean spices. Now, the first island that the, uh, the leader in the field in the Caribbean is Grenada. Grenada. Uh, which is the island next to Tobago. So yes, we source uh, Caribbean spices. You know, you have peop things like cinnamon and nutmeg and mm -hmm. many other things, but it's a very traditional uh, thing that they had available, you know, going back 500 years in the Caribbean. Now, I know that yeah. Tobago and Trinidad largely, I mean, Port of Spain and, and then Scarborough, has a very high GDP and, and has one of the highest in the Caribbean. But you must be employing people. You must be talking about sustainability. And you being a businessman, you're probably also very ethical in, in your behavior. So are you, are you providing employment for people that they might not have employment? Are you using um, sustainable practices? In, is, are your trees shade grown? Are the spices coming from ethical sources? Yes, uh, we 
as far as the cocoa production we employ, there is a village next to that cocoa state. So the, the origin of that village was that particular cocoa state, you know, going back hundreds of years when mm. there was a lot of labor employed. So we have re-employed villagers in that village in helping to produce the cocoa beans, to prune, to plant, to ferment, to transport, all the things you need to do to, to, to produce the cocoa. So there, there we, have provide, we are providing employment in the village, which is very nice and rewarding, and it's the history of the village. Secondly, of course, as, an, as a company producing the drinks, we are employing people in, in both in the Caribbean but also in Europe in marketing, administration, and so forth. Mm -hmm. Is it exported in bulk and then, say, bottled in Holland, or are you bottling right on site? I have I had the fortune to study uh, business administration at Harvard Business School. And one yes. Of the that ah, Harvard. I know. I looked you up. I looked you up and I went, Harvard? Whoa, did there, did there, we've got it. Well, I had a guru professor called Michael Porter. He's a guru of business strategy, and he would profess that if you can be based in a cluster, in a business yes. cluster, there's suppliers and knowledge and consultants and history and so forth. So we uh, decided to base the actual production of the drink in the world's leading liqueur cluster, particularly when it comes to cream, cream liqueurs. That is Holland. Holland, so, yes. So we are actually mixing and bottling in Holland. Now, there's another important reason for that is that to ship this product around the world, it's very difficult to ship from Tobago because there are no containers of alcohol going from Tobago, really. So we are on the aorta of logistics, hmm. uh, the biggest port in Europe, Rotterdam, okay. that's where we ship. So we can ship anywhere in the world from, from Holland and our central warehouse is in Amsterdam. Mm -hmm. Yes, I'm aware of all, all of that, and uh, you know it might be news to news to listeners. But yes, uh, blending uh, and this whole you know liqueur industry really is strongly based in in, in that region. Uh, I I think it's brilliant. So what? How does it get shipped then? And does it get shipped in in uh, or do you send the cocoa beans there for for? Fermentation. You know, we, we buy the spices and the cocoa and so forth, and uh, all the ingredients. We are then uh, shipping that into the, the, the factory in Holland where we blend it and, and bottle it, and then we ship from there. Now, there's one very important, you know, if you, if you think about you want to be a supplier to this industry, let's say LCBO in Canada. Yes. They buy every week a container of liquor. Right. Uh, from Europe, they buy whiskey and gin and wine. And, and it's all consolidated have. at the shipping port. Exactly. So as a small supplier, you can put your little pallet or boxes into that big container. And, yes. and so that works really well. So we don't have to fill up the whole container. And, 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 and how about the, the bottle, like the bottle itself, the design? Were, you talked about doing this on your, your kitchen counter originally, making the product, but the actual bottle the design, the, the leaves on the outside, the, the feel of it, the, the coloration. I mean, that must have been uh, quite a few steps to get it to that. Well, yes and no. Uh, you know, you have to, like my dad used to say, go straight at the target. Okay. <laughs> so so I, I, I hired a young lady in Trinidad, a 27-year-old, a very creative uh, person. And I said, hey, let's come up with something. And my inspiration was... I don't know if you're old enough for a John Player Special. But John Player Special was a high-end cigarette. cigarette. They used a black background and gold. 
I say black and gold. That's very beautiful. So what are we? And we have, we are called gold. So can we use John Player Special as an inspiration to our bottle? And we did that, but then use cocoa, cocoa theme, not. Uh, and uh, and they came up with. If you look at the bottle, you see the cocoa pods in yes. various colors on the black background. So that was a simple inspiration. But I think she did very well, and uh, our little team, two or three of the ladies from Trinidad, designed this thing and. We actually won awards for the design itself. So in, in Chicago, we won a, the highest award for both the design and the taste of the product. So, so it's, being, uh, it's, it's very different, as you know. It looks very different from other brands. And that's it does. Important. It the bottle shape and, and everything about it. Now, since we're going to, you're the entrepreneur, are you the brand ambassador for this? Or do you travel the world? Do you do you go to, uh, since you mentioned Israel, do you go to these places and say, um, I've got something to show you? Well, yes, I do. Well, I am, I, we have brand ambassadors, some very cool Caribbean people who have kind of European Caribbean backgrounds. Uh, one young man, 21 years old, who grew up in Trinidad and England, who lives in Portugal. And we have another lady from, uh, from, uh, Tobago, who is married and lived in Sweden, so they they understand the Caribbean heritage and the business and, world and the, and the local market. So yes. they are very appreciated when we go to exhibitions, let's say, and display our product to either the trade or consumers. Uh, so they are our official brand ambassadors. But also, of course, I as CEO and founder, I'm also a bit of a brand ambassador. Yes. So yes, I do go and visit our distributors and go to exhibitions. I particularly enjoy that as well. So I, do I would well. imagine so. You seem very, very enthusiastic about these things. It is not just a product for you. It's not just another thing. I mean, I looked at your career arc. This it has become quite a, uh, a passion project for you, I think. Yes, it is. Very much so. It's a lot of fun. It's a fun industry. And the fact that we are bringing something healthy, new, and very different. I can tell you, the first time we exhibited was in Berlin in October. Three days, 200 companies. We had our little stand, and we all had to pitch in as a small company, and they're putting the brochures and the stand together, whatever. At the end of the exhibition, one of the biggest executives in the whole rum industry came over. He's the owner of a company called Plantation Rum. Frenchman, he also owns Cognac brand, and I think it's three or four brand he owns. He's well known in the whole industry in the world. They brought him over and said, you have to try this product. So he came over, tried to bake with gold on our stand, and he told me, Lars, this is the best product at the whole show. Well, a thousand products, 200 companies, and we are the best, and it's the first time we try. These things get you excited. <laughs> Quite clearly. It has kind of blown my mind how you can go from uh, my kitchen little vision, whatever, to be appreciated. and. Uh, in 50 stores in Canada on trial right now in Ontario and we just got our first order this week in Switzerland and we're shipping to Germany, Holland, Belgium. We just have distributors sign up in UK. We are on the world's biggest monopoly, yours, and we're also in the world's smallest monopoly, Iceland. Good. Yeah. So we're teasing everybody in between. <laughs> well, <laughs> you should try maybe, I don't know if you're doing minis at all, but any of the airlines would be very, very intrigued, I'm sure, uh, in their business 
signature class uh, services. Uh, I think about Etihad or or any of them. If you could offer your product, I guarantee there would be a, a, an international explosion of, uh, of desire for your product. Very good advice. And yes, we have actually a miniature now. We started a month ago. So, so I carry it in my pockets and then the ladies' handbags when we go to events. <laughs> and uh, yeah, no, it's a good promotional item. And if we can get into some airlines, that'd be great. So like Caribbean Airlines or, for instance, the Dutch Airlines is flying from Holland. To KLM, Canada. yeah, KLM would be a great place to be. So we are trying, we are trying, mm -hmm. for sure. It would be great PR for us. This business can only grow. Uh, you're utilizing a, probably a percentage of your cocoa uh, production at this point in time. What happens when you get bigger? What do you do next? No, well, Michael Porter taught, taught us to build up a, a very valuable, uh, reliable quality and and uh, value chain suppliers so we work with world leading suppliers in every aspect from bottle to cork to cocoa to spices and everything so we are extremely scalable we we can hundredfold our production you know you need money for it but overnight kind of thing with, with our business strategy so uh, we are not dependent on one supplier and one thing so really taking the know-how that we have and created a, a world-class product. Now, I should say, this product, I can tell you, on my advisory board, I have the Pope's wine advisors. I'm quite proud to have a man who's advising the Pope and me. He advises the Pope on what wine to drink, and for me, how to market to Vegas Gold around the world. That's amazing. And we have the biggest executive in Europe in the, in the spirits industry, former CEO of Diageo, the biggest company in the world. Diageo, yes. And, and they, they are advising us how to to take to take the product out on the international market. Mm -hmm. um, well, it sounds like you've done a lot on your own, and and uh, no doubt. I mean, again, looking at your career arc, it only makes sense that you were going to do something, and you were going to do something big and international with some impact. Although, what a great playground or sandbox to play in that you're doing right now. The world of wine and spirits is is uh, is fascinating, and uh, I, I wish you well. I mean, this is this is only the first. What 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 month are we at, or what year are we at in terms of this project? Well, uh, the idea came uh, just before COVID. So basically, it's like a COVID project when people say, <laughs> "Oh, we can't do anything." We we were fortunate. I actually came back from Holland. I formed the partnerships two weeks before Italy shut down, shut down. And at that time I found my uh, suppliers in Holland. So just before COVID, we started working on it seriously. And during COVID, we formed the company, found the people, developed the product. And then at the end of COVID, we started to launch it. So we've been working on it for about two and a half years. Well, and, and the arc is only upwards, right? I mean, you're this is this is a growth industry. People are looking for something new and exciting. I think you found it. Yeah, well, we are growing about eight times this year over last year, and then we're going to triple next year. So we we are getting investors interested, and and that's part of the excitement. And consumers, and consumers for sure. Oh yes, now this that's the key key thing. So right now, our biggest task is uh, in Europe and in Canada. Is, is bringing it to the consumers, the end consumers. And, and uh, we seem to have success when they get to try it. We call it bottle to lips, meaning once you try Tobago Gold, you typically repair. And when people ask me, what's the shelf life? I said, well, before you open it, three years. After you open it, three days. 
Now, one person yesterday said three hours. (laughs) 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 So we're having fun. It's a bit of uh, an entrepreneurial, exciting journey. The industry is huge. Actually, the the cream liqueur market is bigger than the entire chocolate and cocoa industry in the world. So even though it's a small sector of alcohol, it's a huge market. It's a $40 billion dollar. Uh, worldwide market and you're now getting a slice of it Lars Sunderstrom I got I have to thank you so much for this interview it's been a delight to listen to some new perspectives uh, an international perspective and I wish you well with Tobago gold have you got a last word for us is there an elevator pitch do you have a 30 second you know you've got to try this well I'm not supposed to say it but I say it's a perfect product for COVID because one is antioxidants it puts you in better shape for COVID and in case you get COVID it's slightly aphrodisiac so you enjoy the isolation. (laughs) (laughs) Lars Sunderstrom thank you so much from Tobago Gold. This is Hugh Cruzel and the program has been QOL Quality of Life uh, broadcast this day on CKLU 96.7. Join us again this Thursday and every Thursday. Bye for now folks.